Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Fanduel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050-424-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Football Friday. Sponsored by Brian's Heating and Cooling. Brian's Heating and Cooling, where they take your comfort personally. Give them a call for all your commercial and residential comfort needs. 803-796-1788 or brianshheatingandcooling.com. Antoine Juschmose breaks away at the 30, 20, going for the pylon at the 5, dives for it. Call it. Touchdown, Carolina. Football Friday on your home of the Gamecocks. In Columbia, 107.5 The Game. Also heard on 100.3 The Game in Myrtle Beach. And 100.5 The Game in Florence. Welcome back in. It is Football Friday. Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Broadcasting live out at Steel Hands Brewing in Casey. Tyler West, Chris, and Colin going until noon today, getting you set for the Gators and the Gamecocks. By the way, we'll have more tickets to give away as the day rolls along here on the games. Keep it locked right here through the halftime show and the afternoon show as well for your next opportunity to win some tickets. But diving back into the specifics of this game for uh, the Gamecocks and the Gators, obviously Graham Mertz, the signal caller for the Gators, one that we've talked about this week, didn't necessarily jump off the page at you when he made the transfer down there to Florida in the offseason. Billy Napier in his Wednesday press conference did talk a little bit about Graham Mertz and maybe trying to open up the downfield passing a little bit more with his quarterback. Here's what Billy Napier had to say the other day. No, I think if you really looked at it with a close eye, you know, we a number of our 
completions, there there are vertical options on the play. You know, they just been covered. You know, so. Um, but I, I, you know, we we haven't necessarily hit the deep ball much this year. You know, I think we've called them. You know, and I think we've, I think what he's eighty percent or something like that. It's just been, and look, I I do think all things contribute here. The continuity, the offensive line. Um, you know, I think there's a number of factors here relative to how the seasons went so far. But it helps. There's no doubt. And look. I mean, that's who we are. I mean, watch this play last year. I mean, we we did it last year, you know, and I think ultimately they'll be, hopefully going forward, we'll be able to take advantage of some of that. All right, everybody, wake up. Billy's done talking. Everybody yeah. wake. Everybody I alert. I fall asleep for a minute. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, uh, again, as Billy uh, Napier mentioned there, Graham Mertz, we've talked about very efficient throwing the ball, 80% completion percentage. But it's just not a team that pushes the ball down the field a ton. And when you look at what, like, a Will Rogers did against South Carolina a couple weeks ago, going off for nearly 500 yards, and, yes, all those weren't necessarily on deep balls. There is kind of a blueprint for attacking a weakness in South Carolina secondary that we'll see if Florida is willing to try, try tomorrow. Yeah, do, do they have, from what Napier said, they really haven't been guys open or they haven't seen them. That's obviously something we know South Carolina has tried to clean up on their end from Mississippi State game forward. You know, and I think part of that will be, does Florida have similar success to Mississippi State running the ball? Do they have similar success to Tennessee, which, you know, were two obvious, completely backwards outcomes. You know, Tennessee ran the ball pretty well. Mississippi State didn't have success at all running the ball against South Carolina. All those things will play in. They're, you know, it's kind of interesting because Mertz has been, like, really efficient. And even, you know, PFF is, like, very high on him. They grade him very highly. But they also, they being Florida in this case, Florida does not ask him to do a ton. It's more, you know, game manager has a negative connotation but he, i mean it's manage the game get the ball around spread it around play action short passes stuff like that and he's been very good at that so you give him credit for that but if you're south carolina you you want to do everything you can to make it more about him going and like making plays like dropping back making plays not play action roll out flip the ball out to your tight end type stuff that uh feels a little more kind of pro style to me so uh, you know, I, I think that's something people will circle. Merce can beat you. Like, he's not a bad quarterback, but I also don't think he has quite the just dynamic ability that some of the other guys you're going to play do. Well, well, and you can see from, uh, you know, the way Florida calls their plays, they do everything they can to not abandon the run because that is what the bread and butter of their offense really is. And when you look at their last loss to Kentucky a couple weeks ago, 30 pass attempts, 29 rush attempts. They got down 16 to nothing very early in that game. I think Kentucky even got up to 23 to nothing at one point before Florida finally scored. Like, it gets to the point, like, okay, we're down too much. You need to really focus on throwing the ball because time's not on your side. And they keep trying to run the ball, which, again, is what they do best on offense. But it just seems they don't have the faith to put the game in Mertz's hands necessarily. I'm going to bring back some not great memories for South Carolina. Uh -oh. uh, their last midday game was against Missouri. Missouri. This is a Florida offense that is, I would say, probably comparable to that Missouri offense from last year, where they want to like waggle you to death. They want to get the quarterback out. Like, <laughs> like I love it. Like they want to get the quarterback out in space and like 
just dump off to the tight end. I mean, South Carolina fans remember how frustrating yeah. that Missouri game was because it was like all they're doing is just throwing four yards to the tight end. He turns up field and gets tackled six yards downfield. Like, and they're doing that 12 times in a row. We can't stop it. We can't get off blocks, and then they're making this play. And Missouri also wanted to run the ball. So if you're South Carolina, how do you how do you defend against it? How, how much do you change knowing that's kind of what they want to do against you? If you get... If you get waggled to death, that's probably not it's probably not a good thing for South Carolina's defense. It's gonna put that much more pressure on the South Carolina offense that is has kind of been boomer bust this year. This is a big technique, eye yes. discipline type oh, game. Like, eye discipline, gap integrity. But yes, fundamentals. Fun, technique fundamentals, <laughs> assignment, alignment, yeah. all, all the like fits. But ser- but you know, it, it's funny to laugh about it, but like it is true, you know, especially in this one because this isn't a game where in South Carolina you're just going to overwhelm Florida or vice no. versa, right? And no. I think we think about this Florida offense, maybe because of the lack of downfield success, the safe throws, and then listening to Billy Napier, who's not Winston Churchill when he talks about <laughs> it. Like, it kind of makes you think, that's pretty simple, right? Yeah. Well, Clayton White pointed out, hey, you know what's coming, but it is not easy to defend because they are going to try to get your eyes out of place. There's a lot of shifts. There's a lot of motions. You're going to try to make the defense flow the wrong way and then give Graham Burt some of those easy throws or uh, run the football on you. So if you're the Gamecocks, you know, one of the problems we've seen is they have stopped the run well at times. You think about the entirety of the Mississippi State game, a half at Georgia, some spots against Tennessee. But if they've had an issue, it is getting their eyes in the wrong place, getting bounced out of gaps, not playing with the right technique. And this is a game where if you don't clean those things up, um, you're going to make this Florida offense can turn in a performance that's similar to what we saw against Missouri last year. And they don't set the edge all that well. South Carolina hasn't over the course of this entire season for the most part. Now they did against uh, State. State. And you saw what happened. Boogie Huntley was SEC defensive lineman of the week because you funnel it back in. But, you know, based on what Florida did last year to them, they ran stretch zone like 12 times in a row. They would just stretch. <laughs> it was a stretch play zone blocking, and South Carolina got bounced out of gaps, and you creased runs. And that comes with having to set the edge. You can't let that offensive line get out there in space and then pave the way for a running back to go 15, 20 yards downfield. That's what they got creased on in that 81-yarder last year in the Swamp. Yeah, I think they had a bad angle in the secondary on that play, too. And, you know, I think the the game – I identified the Mississippi State game earlier this year as being the one uh, because of that same – that stretch zone where what Missouri did to you last year, like I was sounding the alarm, like that's the blueprint to beat South Carolina, even at home, to kind of take the crowd out of it. That can be – that can be almost a more frustrating game to watch your team play than, like, the hurry-up Tennessee just attack, 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 the – First down, run a play, six-yard run. Look to no the clock. <laughs> yeah, look to the sideline. The clock is just ticking, 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 and you're standing there. It's it, it kind of takes the juice out of a crowd a little bit when your team is on defense playing against those offenses. If they get a little rhythm and stay on the field, stay on the field, and, and that was the blueprint for Missouri. I thought South Carolina played those stretch zone runs incredibly well against Mississippi State. Probably the best we've seen them play in the entire Beamer tenure. So you're going to need to see more of that. How much does not having that run threat at quarterback, which I thought was a factor last year. I agree. You had had three guys have huge games against South Carolina. Basically at the time, 
two of those guys had career, like literally career days at the time. So, yeah, they have talent still at running back. Uh, Montreal Johnson and Trevor Etienne are both back. Etienne is supposed to be healthy and playing. Anthony Richardson rushed for like 90 yards or so, I think, last year too. So you don't have that threat anymore. Does that change the numbers a little bit up front? But but clearly, your Debo Williams of the world, your Stone Blantons, uh, you know, Boogie Huntley, those, those guys, I feel like um, th- this is a big game for them. Yeah, I mean, and, and we're drawing the parallels between, you know, Missouri and South Carolina last season. You are right, Wes, that the Mertz, you know, Mertz, Anthony Richardson, obviously no comparison there in terms of the mobility. But keep in mind, you know, you, you don't want the Missouri-style, like, offense where they're just able to make everything kind of look easy and just play defense. That's the most frustrating down. offense That's to play. very frustrating. Brady Cook mobile, though. Yes. Right? Like, he hurt South Carolina at times in that game uh, with his mobility. I'm trying to pull up what he actually ran for in that game. I mean, he had a – Brady Cook last year had 11 for 53 and a touchdown, including a 23-yard run. So that's an element that with Merch you don't get as much. So um, for the Gamecocks, you have got to make him like the focal point of their yeah. offense. Yeah. Does he? Do they run him in short yardage? Or I have a, I have like a memory of him sticking his head in there against Tennessee. I think he had a. Who Mertz? Yes. Yeah. He had a big um, physical like short yardage run where you were kind of like wait i did not expect that out of him at all um but clearly i mean that's it's not remotely in the same universe of what anthony richardson could do to you there his his high this year his rushing high now this this isn't sack adjusted or anything right but his high this year in a game is eight yards rushing against mcneese state three rushes for eight yards and that's the thing if you're south Carolina, like you said your goal is to bottle up that running attack. It starts with setting the edge because the interior of your defensive line's actually played fairly well this year with T.J. Sanders, Tonka, Hemingway, Boogie Huntley. Those ends have to find a way, especially on the boundary, when you have all that space to run that includes the end, that includes the nickel. Set the edge because if you funnel it back into the teeth of that thing with Tonka, any combination of Tonka, uh, Boogie, or T.J. Sanders with Debo and Stone behind them, you have a chance to make that an inefficient run. The problem is, is when they, they break contain and they're able to hit that second level and, and really make you pay. If you can bottle that up, I don't know if we've seen yet Graham Mertz's ability to beat you like Will Rogers has the ability to beat you, um, mm-hmm. the way that Mississippi State was able to do that. So sell out to stop the run. And then if Graham Mertz throws for 450 yards and six touchdowns, you know what, tip your hat and say he's never, <laughs> literally never done that before in his career. Have a day, Graham Hurts. Well, yeah, the, the six touchdowns part would right. be um, right worrisome. <laughs> right, but I, I I think he could throw for three hundred yards, and you still are like okay. South Carolina won the game if if that was paired with like seventy yards rushing, like just a, a not and they a, go off game. Inefficiency is the name of the game because yeah. Florida's so predicated on success rate and moving the ball and staying ahead of the chains. And well, if you can get them off that. And you set the line at 285 for our, you know, buy or sell segment yesterday. And I think it's realistic. He could throw for at least that many yards and they mm-hmm. still win the game. Talking about the game against Utah where he threw for 333 and they lost by 13 points in that one. So definitely possible. We'll dive into some more of the keys to the game. Coming up as the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs rolls on on your football Friday, broadcasting live at Steel Hands Brewing in Casey. Going until noon here on the game. Also heard on 100.3, the game in Myrtle Beach. And 100.5, the game in Florence. 
All right, welcome back in. It is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on the game on your Football Friday broadcasting live at Steel Hands Brewing in Casey going until noon. Tyler, Wes, and Chris along with you today. We'll be talking with, uh, I'm, I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce this last name. We'll have to get some phonetics on this before we talk to him at 1130. But our guy Zach is going to give us more insight yes. to the Gators program at 1130. So excited to talk about uh, talk to him. But kind of wanted to focus back in on some of these keys of the game for tomorrow against the Gators. And you mentioned one right there uh, just before we hit the break in that last segment, keeping things contained when it comes to the run game because we know that's going to be Florida's MO, trying to get Montrell Johnson going, trying to get Trevor Etienne going, who is returning from an injury this week. And, and what you mentioned about kind of having some presence off the edge to keep those runs funneled through the teeth of the, teeth of the defense so T.J. Sanders, so Tonka Hemingway, so Boogie Huntley can really make an impact like we've seen them be, been able to do against a team like Mississippi State earlier on in the season. Yeah, I mean, it It starts, it, it's so cliche, but it starts and ends with running the ball and stopping the run if you're South Carolina. Um, and we've talked about having to you know, make Graham Mertz beat you, but if you're South Carolina, it's your job to take pressure off of Spencer Rattler and put them in advantageous situations offensively um, to where you're not having to convert second and nine or third and seven three or four times on a drive to win this thing and if you can if you can do that then you feel really good about your opportunity to put some points up on the board and um really maybe make florida turn this into a one-dimensional thing and, and have Graymerts beat you yeah con i think uh for them the yes. uh the home the home field aspect of this keeps coming back to to mind just based on the, the fact that we know Florida has struggled on the road. Like, it, it almost has become, like, it is a narrative to yes. the extent of, I'm like, all right, is it now being talked about too much? Right. But I, I think for, for Carolina, the other side of that, maybe that it hasn't been talked about as much, is they do tend to play better on, at home than on the road themselves. Yes. So it's kind of two-sided, I, I think, in terms of what you expect. And then the fact, first of all, it's, it was a little bit strange to me, homecoming against yeah. the Gators. You had some other options you could Jack have picked. Jack State and Vanderbilt. Yeah, you, you could have picked. So they picked Florida for homecoming. thought that was interesting, cool, fine, whatever. You got the fair, which I don't know if that really affects the actual game as far as the crowd coming out. But this thing has been sold out for a long time. So yes. I do think you have some added elements that are going to add to the intensity because, I mean, these are two teams that they don't – have great records it's not a top 25 matchup it's not a game that is going to be talked about nationally but you do have a considerable amount of buzz for this game which i think is going to lead to a, a great atmosphere on saturday afternoon yeah and i mean let's that's so important when you talk about all these big wins especially at home or even in this chain beamer era a lot of it's starting fast a and m you start fast kentucky you start fast um Tennessee, you start, you start and end fast. Uh, really, the only ones where you didn't were Clemson and maybe the Florida Auburn games of in Beamer's first year. So, start fast. That's something they didn't do against Missouri their last midday game, and the crowd was just never into it. And if you can get go out there, maybe get a stop and then score or score in your first possession, then you feel really good about your chance there to to get the crowd into it and, and build some momentum going into the into 
you know, the second, third, and fourth quarters. The, the, what I'm going, this is my plan for tomorrow. Ooh. All right, so I am. Leave at 6 a.m. for the fair. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm actually not going to go to the fair tomorrow. D just, just hang out. I'm going to get there early, though, so yes. to avoid the fair. So I am going to text Wes and get his take on the pre-game atmosphere inside the stadium because mm -hmm. last year he's a vibes guy yeah yes big vibes guy and has a pretty good feel for it i remember his text last year before the missouri game said i don't know about this man i said i don't like the vibe the vibe is off and so i'm gonna get a vibe check from wes and i might adjust my game prediction uh based, based on, on that based <laughs> go, not, go back not, and like re uh, are we allowed to edit our predictions after they go out no, that's the no, no that and they go at noon today so you have Ooh. 35 minutes, roughly. Well, Did we, we get everyone's in? Yes. The last one came in a little while ago. But we won't, we won't be able to check the vibe before By the way, who's going to be doing this after you leave? That's a good question. Can't tell you that yet. No. Because, I mean, we got to keep this That's going, super right? super secret, yeah. Because it'll, it'll, I have to going. beat everyone. Yeah. <laughs> There's one person below 500 in our pickup, and it's me. <laughs> no, I was about to say, I, I figured it would be me. I no, it's me. I, I largely went into, like, uh, what what did you swell say after the Tennessee game? If it we ball, like that was my like <laughs> strategy to in picking games the last couple of weeks. So, uh, well, every time I looked on there, you all the marquee games that weren't like just uh, huge disadvantages, you picked the opposite team as me. Yeah. So, <laughs> yes. And Wes has been doing well. So yeah. Bad, well, it was one of those things where it's like I'm trying to gain games here or there, so I kind of kind of gotta, you know be interested and like switch it up so that's that was my strategy there I, I took it off the tracks a little bit by saying the thing about the vibe check but he's not wrong it, but I but it seriously I, I, it's the thing to your point Colin I mean what yeah maybe it's a weird vibe going in maybe the mojo wasn't right for South Carolina last year against Missouri that that kind of midday game but that is something you have to avoid the slow start you don't want Florida to come out first drive 75-yard drive where they've converted a third and four, a third and eight, a third and one, and then they score a rushing touchdown, and now you're down seven nothing, and everybody's mm. like, "Oh boy, here we go again." Like you need the crowd engaged. You need to, like, they need the fans in this game, but the fans need the team yes. to, to give them something to to keep them engaged. Well, I remember I, I did have that bad vibe feel. It was also a gloomy day. Yeah. Uh, it was an afternoon game instead of night game, which is when South Carolina's really been good at home is night games at home. But I also remember first drive, I was looking around. I was like, okay, maybe I'm wrong. Like, the crowd, the crowd was loud to start that game. Like, fans showed up. They were ready. They were doing their part. But then the game itself was just such a blah game. Offense – I feel like your offense has got to find some success for you. Like, that's the thing. Fan, fans respond to big plays on offense or basic third down stops, sacks, and then the obvious, you know, touchdowns, interceptions, stuff like that. But you need those plays that just kind of keep your, your crowd engaged and, and fired up. And the, the Missouri game last year was completely devoid of those type of plays going South Carolina's way. And I thought Missouri had the best game plan of any team against South Carolina last year as far as, like, two pretty evenly matched teams. And we'll, we'll obviously see what Florida can do this year. And we'll hear a little bit about the Florida program at the end of the show. We'll talk to our guy, uh, to Zach, uh, to wrap up today's edition of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. We are broadcasting live out at Steel Hands Brewing in Casey going until noon. It's the month of October. A very spooky month at that. And our next guest 
fits that oh. uh, theme perfectly. We'll talk to him coming up. You're listening to the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs, here on The Game. We're talking about sponsored by Love Chevrolet on your home of the Gamecocks in Columbia 1075 the game also heard on 100.3 the game in Myrtle Beach and 100.5 the game in Florence Welcome back in. It is the Gamecock Central Takeover <laughs> Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Broadcasting live out here at Steelhands Brewing in KC. We had Aaron Rowe on, who is the CEO of Harvest Hope, a little bit earlier on telling us about the Contractors for Hope event coming up on uh, October the 18th. That's this upcoming Wednesday. But also, we are now graced with the presence of a literal celebrity, uh, <laughs> James Jude Courtney, who is known for playing Michael Myers in the, high, in the Halloween movies, also does some great work with the uh, Harvest Hope. Uh, James, thanks so much for taking a little bit of time with us today. Oh, man, it's an honor to be here. With uh, your work with Harvest Hope, I, I guess, first of all, can you give the listeners a little bit of the idea of some of the things you've been doing with Harvest Hope and why that was kind of, you know, important to your heart to try to do so? It's, it's such, it's so, so important to my heart. Um, the, the thought of a child going to bed hungry, um, and, and, and millions of children in this country go to bed hungry, and in the Midlands, it, we're especially stricken. Uh, you know, COVID and, and all the things that hit put so many families at risk um, in, in food um, insecurity. So I think it's a really, really important thing for us to, to live the word that we say we believe, and that is to step up and to, you know, to feed the hungry, to heal the sick. These are the things that we believe in. So it's really dear to my heart that we step up, you know, especially at this time right now when things are starting to shift and change. And, and you know, this donate, man, just this give from our hearts. And you guys have an event coming up on uh, October the 26th, that's a couple Wednesdays from now, at the KJ's uh, Market IGA in uh, West Columbia from uh, 5 until 7 o'clock? Correct, yeah. So fans can come by and, and we'll uh, take, take selfies and uh, sign any items they have to bring. Uh, the caveat being you've got to bring food, man. So, so you know, fill those bags with cans, canned goods and, and anything you can think of so we can feed these, you know, these children who are in dire need. And, and the Midlands, near and dear to you, you were, you were raised here. T tell us your background about you grew up in Columbia, correct? Correct, yeah. I graduated from Lower Richland High School, uh, the University of South Carolina, diehard Gamecock. Um, <laughs> and so uh, I'm excited about this weekend, too, yeah. buddy. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so, and, and coming back here, uh, my, my nephews and nieces, you know, my, my, I have six brothers. So um, my brother, uh, my nephews have played on state championship and, and gone to national championships in soccer with Carter Newman, with Dreer. My youngest nephew is now playing football at Gray Academy. Um, so we, we, our roots run deep here. My brother serves in the legislature. My brother, Brother Marty, is an acupuncturist here. Um, so it, it's, it's really important for me. Family's important. Community's important. And I am so blessed to have gone to Lower Richland. I'm so blessed to have gone to the University of South Carolina. So I, I think it's really important for us all to group together and to re remember that we're one big, large community, one and big family. You were a journalism major at USC as well, correct? I was a journalism major, yeah. And, you know, I, I have to be honest. The, uh, the reason I, I did that, I knew I was going to be making films. But I chose journalism because I, first of all, the University of South Carolina had one of the top-ranked journalism schools in the nation. I understand it's still right up there. Right. Um, 
I knew as a filmmaker that, that my job is to manipulate minds. My, my job is to create a, 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 a narrative and to have people follow that narrative. And I was, you know, graced to study with Emmy Award winning, Pulitzer Prize winning, you know, professors. And it's really about information and how do we relate that information and then what truth can come from that information. So uh, my journalism degree has, has greatly served me in my career. Now we go into the game tomorrow? Oh, absolutely. 100%, <laughs> man. Yeah, I wouldn't miss it. Now, what? I think if you sit on the sidelines as Michael Myers, that might strike some fear <laughs> into Florida's hearts a little bit. Yeah, yeah. We've, gone to the, we've been you know, blessed to be on the sidelines. Uh, and uh, Sarah, my wife, is um, five foot four, so she, she can't see around the big eaters. So, so uh, Sarah will be up in the stands. I may be on the sidelines. I may be up in the stands. But we'll, we'll see what happens. What, what have you thought of the season so far? Obviously, you know, two and three, not the record anybody over there wanted, but uh, have played some really good teams and obviously a big game for them tomorrow. So what, what's been your take on the football team so far? Well, you know, I, I am a big, big Shane Beamer fan. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, Roman's not built in a day. It's, it's, he's doing the right thing. Our next recruiting class is incredible. In fact, the line, you know, the linemen mm -hmm. they're bringing in. So uh, Spencer Rattler is an amazing guy. And, and I have to say, you know, all, all the, the dedication, um, and I've had the, you know, the, the, the blessing of knowing some of the guys on the squad and, you know, uh, and getting to know. I, I'm really impressed with the intelligence of these young men, with mm -hmm. the social awareness of these young men. I mean, they're being coached up not only in football, but they're being coached up on how to be, you know, contributing members to this to our society and community. So I think Shane is doing an amazing job. I think we just have to we have to stick by him, stand behind him, stand behind our players, and know that every year is going to get better and better and better. Sounds like you uh, keep up with recruiting a good bit. I love it. You, uh, <laughs> are you a subscriber to Gamecock Central? Uh, Don't put yeah. him on the spot like that. <laughs> <laughs> have to say he's yes. shaking his head yes. So I think uh, that the atmosphere tomorrow is going to be another good one. Uh, are you uh, are you are you going to go out there? Do you tailgate? Do you take the whole thing in? Or are you a little more low key? Sneak on in there. Oh no, uh, no, no. We, we we tailgate. We start okay. early. And and I've got to say, so just to just to give some context here, uh, Sarah, my wife, went to rugby school in England. She played rugby, she's a track and field athlete. Wow. But okay. the first South Carolina game I brought her to she just went nuts. She was like, oh, my God, nobody does spectacle like Americans. And then she starts watching the game, and it's really great because, you know, she's learning the American game and really gets excited when she sees things happen. That she, and it, it's, and it's, just, it's just growing. And oddly enough, her cousin by marriage played for Frank Beamer at Virginia Tech. He was a fullback. His positions wow. coach was Shane Beamer. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And so, and, and uh, Justice um, Hoffman's his name, and Justice mm -hmm. told me right when Shane was hired, he goes, man, you guys have no idea how good you're going to have it. This man is one of the best coaches I've ever met in my life. He's amazing. And so, I, I'm just super stoked, man. I'm super stoked. Uh, Kirby Smart, look out. We're going to get you, bro. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah, you heard it. Um, do you remember what her first South Carolina game was? Do you remember what game it was? Baby, I don't, uh, don't remember. Um, they're all good. They're yeah, all. They're all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We won. Yeah, it's <laughs> all that matters. Yeah. yeah. Do you have a good record at in-person games when you attend? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. When, when I'm in town, I'm, I'm at a game, and, you know, when I lived here in college, I'd never missed a game. Never. I mean, I traveled to road games, absolutely, 100%. And, and um, it, it, you know, the, it, the, fan, the fan base is so important to the, to the young men out on that field, to the coaches. I mean, the energy we can give from the, from the 
um, from the stands can't be underestimated. I think it's really important. And, and especially, you know, I would, I would ask fans to stay, man. Stay until the end of the game, no matter whether we're winning, no, whether we're losing. Man, these young men have worked their tails off. We, they deserve mm -hmm. our support. And, you know, that extra 15 minutes, traffic is horrible anyhow. You're not getting anywhere, man. Stay and watch the doggone game. And definitely with the fair tomorrow and homecoming, you're definitely yeah. not getting anywhere. So <laughs> yeah. just hang Might out, well stay. Enjoy, enjoy the rest of the game. Just bring yeah. extra drinks, man. <laughs> so, so how did your path to acting, how did all that get started? Well, I knew in fourth grade I, I was going to make movies for a living. And um, so in fifth grade, uh, I have six younger brothers. My dad had an old 1950s era Kodak tri-lens, 8-millimeter camera. So in fifth grade, I picked that up, started shooting my own films, like anything I could do for, for any particular class. If we had a project, I shot a movie. And um, then everything sort of in my life led me down paths of things I needed to learn, whether it was being a musician for a time or the athletics that I've, you know, participated in or, you know, the things I've studied other than filmmaking. You know, like at, at Carolina, I uh, spent a lot of time with anthropology and psychology and stayed extra long to learn because I knew what I was going to do. And then at the right time, it was a, um, a guy I knew at Carolina um, who was a friend, got me a job at Universal Studios as a uh, tour guide. And then from there, I did a live show, Conan the Barbarian, where I did a 20-foot high fall into a flaming pit and fought with swords. It was super, super fun. Lots of concussions, lots of stitches. It was a blast. And, and, and now, for instance, Alex Daniels, one of my very dear friends, who was a cheerleader at Carolina back in the 80s, or 70s, I'm sorry, late 70s, um, he is now the president of the Stuntman's Association. Okay. Yeah. So he's the one who taught me how to do high falls. Um, so it was all, all progression. But I think the thing is, is once you focus on something, once you have a goal, man, you know, talent matters, hard work matters more, but persistence is omnipotent. Persistence is what gets us where we want to go. Yeah. Uh, what's the craziest stunt you've ever had to do? I mean, you know, there's lots of things that normal human beings wouldn't do. I think that, <laughs> the, the, I think that the, 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 the one that really kind of sealed my fate for a while was I had to go through a big, big play class window, and, um, and I knew I was going to get cut. I just didn't know where. Yeah. And so I ended up having multiple surgeries on my hands, you know, to yank glass out. The, the funny part about that was when I, when I went through it and, you know, got all cut up, um, the, the, nest, the, the set nurse was irrigating the wounds and pulling glass out, and... Um, and the actor walked over and saw the blood mixed with water, so it was a huge pool, and he fainted. So, <laughs> so she had to leave me and go over and tend to him because he was out cold. Wow. Well, I, I've always wondered, and I, I've got a chance to ask at this yeah, point. Let's so I, yeah, let's We're going to ask. So when, when an actor first gets the script and they're, or they're in a movie, like, hey, you're, you're in a role uh, throughout your you know, career and even when you were first getting started, how, how hard is it to – just learn lines like I, I've been amazed at how um, like my memory does not work that way like I can't look at something and then memorize it so over the years when you were you know even first getting started was that a process was that something that was difficult or how how what is your process going into a movie I think it's it's it's, it's twofold once uh, one is reps like mm -hmm. anything we do we have to have reps we have to work at it and and I'm, I'm gonna tell you man working to be, become a good actor is incredibly difficult. I mean, it's maddening how difficult it is. I mean, I, I've trained my body hard as an athlete. I've, I've you know, I've studied hard and, and, and achieved some academic goals, but working as an actor is incredibly difficult. And, you know, when I was in the, in the facility um, a while back, Alex Huntley, Boogie, asked me a question. He said, where's it come from, man? And I went, same place. 
He got it. Like Alex got it because that same place that Alex goes to when he puts his his, his knuckles down on the grass. Yeah. It's the same place I go to. As soon as I get, as soon as I got the call, for instance, to play Michael Myers, I immediately went into mission mode. Nothing else mattered. My focus was on everything I needed to do to create the the space within me to achieve. Again, talking to uh, James U. Courtney here with uh, Harvest Hope promoting the It's Scary to Be Hungry food drive coming up on Wednesday, October the 26th from 5 until 7 at the KJ's Market IGA out in West Columbia. Certainly go by, bring some food, get a chance to meet him, take some pictures, and hang out for a little bit. Last one here, got about a minute. Score prediction for tomorrow. How you Ooh, doing? Okay, there you go. Oh, y'all, <laughs> oh, come on, man. I'm Okay, I'm going to I'm going to say 24-17 us. Okay, I like it. Dig it. Fantastic. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, okay, we'll come back and wrap up today's edition of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs, live at Steel Hands Brewing in Casey. Go until noon here on the game. Football Friday. Sponsored by Brian's Heating and Cooling. On your home of the Gamecocks in Columbia, 107.5 The Game. Also heard on 100.3 The Game in Myrtle Beach. And 100.5 The Game in Florence. Welcome back in. It is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Thank you once again to James Jude Courtney for joining us for a couple minutes. I want to clear up one thing, though, uh, that uh, it's scary to be hungry. Food drive is actually going to be on Tuesday, October 24th out at the KG's Market IJ in West Columbia, October the 24th. That is uh, a week from this upcoming Tuesday. So be sure to go by, bring some food, get a chance to meet uh, James G. Courtney, take some pictures, hang out for a little bit, all for a great cause with the uh, Harvest Hope Food Bank. Now as we wrap up today's edition of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs, we welcome in uh, Zach Albaverde, giving us a little bit of insight into the Gators program. Uh, Zach, thanks so much for taking a few minutes of your time. What's the, what's the consensus? How's everybody feeling down in Gator country about this game tomorrow? Yeah, appreciate you guys having me on. No, I mean, there's, there, there's definitely, I think, the road woes have been the narrative this week in Gainesville of whether Billy can take his team away from the swamp in the SEC um, in a stadium that's a lot louder and more packed than where they played at Utah and Kentucky and lost the season. Um, you know, can they do that and go on the road and get a win? They're one in seven uh, under Billy Napier in games away from the swamp, one in five in true road games. Um, so this is, this is kind of important uh, for Florida to kind of, uh, you know, kill that narrative, but also try to get a, a win in conference play and, you know, if, if, if sticking with this narrative, I mean, they still got road trips to LSU and Missouri, both of which I think would be tough. So if you're trying to look at some point where they're going to get a win, this is a great opportunity, I think, for Florida. Zach, appreciate you doing this, man. This is Wes. Everybody listen, go check out GatorsOnline.com. But, Zach, obviously, I mean, we've been talking about that narrative here, too. Florida doesn't play well on the road. They play well at home. But there's got to be an underlying theme there, I would think, on the actual football field. What has stood out to you about how Florida has actually played in those games that has resulted in the, that ending for, for all those games? What has it been on the road that has really plagued them specifically? For sure. I mean, offensively, it has been the procedural penalties. I mean, they committed nine penalties at Utah, ten penalties at uh, Kentucky, and most of those were committed by the offensive line 
with all-stars and things like that. Um, you know, at Utah, you had Jake Slaughter, the center, starting for Kingsley Aguakin, and Slaughter was making his first career start. So that contributed a little bit to that performance. He didn't play at Kentucky. Kingsley was back for that game, but he was not himself. Uh, so Slaughter, he's going to get the start Saturday, and this is going to be his second chance ever to start on the road in a game. So I think it'll be key to see if he learned from that experience in Utah and handles this environment in williams Bryce a lot better than he did at Utah. And then defensively, you know, Florida gave up that 75-yard touchdown play on the first snap against Utah. And then after that, they actually played, played pretty well on that side of the ball. And then against Kentucky, they had their worst tackling performance ever since PFF uh, came into its existence in 2014 and started giving out grades. Their tackling grade was the worst that Ford had ever gotten from PFF. So they really struggled bringing down Ray Davis. Uh, I think you got to give him some credit for that performance. But, you know, between the offensive line issues and procedural penalties and then the defense just kind of having a terrible day tackling, that's kind of been their bugaboo on the road. So uh, those are some things that they're going to have to shore up in Columbia. Zach, Chris Clark here. Got about two more minutes left here. Uh, wanted to ask you about Graham Mertz. We've kind of developed a theory that, you know, even if he throws for, say, 300 yards in this game, that, that could end up being a good thing for the Gamecocks. He's been quite efficient. But do you agree that what South Carolina has to do is to stop this Florida running attack because that's the direction they want to go? Absolutely. I mean, I, I think that if, if Florida gets into that game where they can't run the ball and they need Mertz to air it out, he – can you know do it but can they win operating their offense that way I, I don't think so and you know South Carolina hasn't done a good job defending the pass this year um, I, I do think Florida is going to probably look to take some deep shots because that's just something that for themselves offensively they've been trying to do to get themselves going to get Graham going and to open up the run game but uh, there, there's without a doubt um, you know, the teams that have had success against Florida, Utah, Kentucky especially, they've been able to slow down the Gators' run game and have to put it on Mertz. Um, you know, he's he's obviously accurate enough and efficient enough um, to do some things in the intermediate behind the line of scrimmage. But, man, he really has not taken shots down the field this year. So it'll be interesting to see how much he does because I think that South Carolina is probably going to stack that box to try and stop Florida's running game. All right, again, uh, Zach, thanks so much for taking a few minutes of your time for us. Uh, so we do apologize. Had to keep it a little bit brief here. But uh, excited to see what happens between the uh, Gators and the Gamecocks coming up tomorrow here in Williams-Rice Stadium. No doubt, man. The Steve Spurrier Bowl is always good when it comes around. <laughs> Absolutely, and certainly excited for that. Again, thank you to Zach for giving us a few minutes of his time this morning, and uh, we're excited to see what happens tomorrow when these two teams clash at 3.30, which, of course, you can listen to right here on the game. Guys, we've come to the end of the show. Got about two minutes left here. Collins, last show with us. Yes. Ten, ten-ish months, something like that. Roughly, yeah. Roughly. We started in January, so that's October. So the end of an era. Uh, it's the Colin Taylor era. Yes, the CT era. <laughs> BCT and Taylor's or Collins yeah. version. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just a big thank you to Tyler and to. Wes and Chris and everybody at Gamecock Central and I have two more days left with Central my last day is the 15th but uh, I can't say enough good things about 107.5 with about Gamecock Central and how much I've truly enjoyed my time and truly enjoyed getting to do what 
I've dreamed about doing since I was 12 or 13 years old. And for every coach, for every player, for every SID and staffer that I've had to bug for information and questions and emails, uh, I can't thank them enough. This beat's been fantastic and, and helped me become the person and hopefully professional I am today. And uh, it's been it's been an amazing decade, and I'm just really happy that I got to do what I got to do. And I had the, the support from my wife, Michaela, and my family to put up with me on the road for as long as, as I was there. And it's just been it's been a dream come true, and, and I'm sad to see this chapter end. I'm excited for the next one, but uh, just a big from the bottom of my heart thank you to everyone at this table and everyone listening to, to what I have to say well I think I speak for all of us we're very excited for your next chapter sadly you're not going to be in here with us each and every day but we know you're going to kill it in your next job and you're going to be around we'll yes. have you I'll back on these airways you still have to do your point. picks so that you I can beat you pick. Yeah, that's right <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be texting Colin every day next week saying pick. hey picks hey, are due picks are due picks are due well yeah. Colin 20 seconds let's have the final word yeah just uh, again I can't say it enough thank you um it's been amazing, and I'm, I appreciate everyone that had to, to listen to me talk and listen to me bug them for information. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so, so much. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text HOPE NY in New York.